Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Beth. While I've got you, if you love how I survived, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps other fans like you find us too. It was just so cold and my teeth were shattering. Fear kicked in, like, I'm never going to see my children again. Oh, God, please help me. This is How I Survived. Stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I survived. It was Mother's Day, and at Susan O'Brien's home in Wellington, New Zealand, it was hectic. Instead of waking up to breakfast in bed, she was getting ready to compete in a 20-kilometre fun run at the Ramutaka Forest Park. Her husband Daniel and their two kids Misha, nine months, and Jaden, two, were coming to cheer her on. It was a mad rush to get out of the house. Jaden needed his brekkie, Misha was still breastfeeding, and in a last-minute dash, Daniel searched the house high and low for strapping to protect his wife's feet from blisters. Despite the mayhem, Susan made it in time for the safety briefing. It was a challenging trail and the organiser had an important safety tip. If you ever get lost or if you twist your ankle, um, his tip was to just stay put and wait there. I could actually bump into one of my good friends, had a huge yarn and we were like laughing away, making jokes. But at the same time, I was actually really nervous because I hadn't done a trail run in a long time. Bouncing up and down to stay warm in the wintry Kiwi weather, Susan peppered her mate with questions before the race began. Part of my nervousness was just asking a lot of questions to my friend. Oh, you know, how much water did you bring? Do you think two litres were enough? Do you think I should wear a jacket or no jacket? Do you think I've got enough food? So all this nervous energy. Susan kept her jacket on. It was very nippy in May on New Zealand's North Island. As the starting gun sounded at 9am, she was off like a bullet. Still, she searched the crowd for her family. Susan had hugged her loved ones goodbye before setting off, but she'd see them soon. The plan was to smash out the 20-kilometre run in just two hours. I saw them and I was just full of joy. I mean, we were just saying to them, like, Mummy loves you. It was pretty good because running alongside my friends, we're running along, making jokes. Um, it was quite a big pack bunch, maybe 100 runners or so all together. Um, and then as time went by, kind of all drifted apart and I was trying to stay near the front and see like, you know, a few runners in front of me but then as the run progressed the runners kind of started to fade into the distance. The trail soon became steep, the ground muddy. Slowing to a jog, Susan navigated her way around branches and jagged rocks, all the while keeping an eye out for the blue flags that were there to guide the runners. Suddenly, Susan realised she was all alone. Surely she couldn't be that far ahead. So 
bit of panic set in thinking, where did everyone gone? But at the same time, I still have that competitive streak in me, like where whatever I do, I try to do it well. So part of me was like, oh, you know, I don't want to stop running. But now Susan was starting to doubt herself. Had she accidentally veered onto the short or medium length course? As she kept running, she waited for another person to overtake her, but no one did. She was completely alone. She didn't have her phone on her, but her GPS watch told her it had already been more than two hours. Daniel, Misha and Jaden would be waiting anxiously at the finish line. Panic quickly turned to fear and Susan began to realise she'd taken a very wrong turn. Actually, a lot of panic kicked in, thinking, oh my gosh, where am I? I'm totally lost and um, element for fear, thinking, oh my gosh, my children, you know, um, my family, what are they going to think? I'm so late. Um, they're probably thinking, where am I? Wandering around aimlessly in deep bush, Susan looked for a blue flag or a familiar tree. Confused, she headed off in another direction until she stopped again in frustration. She'd been trying to find the trail for hours. Worried she was well and truly lost, the organizer's warning echoed in her mind. Stay put. I had moments where I actually um, hunched down and grabbed onto my knee and and just thought, okay, well, maybe I should just stop and wait for someone to get used. I think the longest time I could sit down for was probably like, you know, three minutes because it was just so cold and my teeth were shattering and I was shaking of coldness. I thought, no, I can't just sit here and wait for someone one to two hours. Completely disoriented, Susan kept running and had to navigate her way down a near vertical mountain face. By now, her GPS watch told her she'd run about 18 kilometres and still the finish line was nowhere in sight. Um, I ended up in some really kind of crazy cliff-like situation, really like steep downhill, but I had to like, you know, grab onto every branch to just actually hold on to myself. Like if I, if I let go, I'd roll down the, um, down the cliff. So it was pretty much like holding one tree and then trying to go to the next tree, but without falling and toppling over. Um, and there was another moment where I got when I got stuck in this really deep bush and fear kicked in, like, I'm never going to see my children again. By now, Susan had drunk every last drop of water and eaten her energy gel packs. And the bush, which had seemed so beautiful at the beginning, was starting to close menacingly in around her. I was definitely feeling a sense of just kind of claustrophobic, like thinking, oh my gosh, I just want to get out of here. I was screaming so loud. My throat was hurting. I've never screamed so loud in my life. No one was coming. And I thought, no, nah, I've just got to do this on my own. So that fear kind of kicked into motivation and um, uh, just determination. I just had this ball of fire just to keep going. As the sun began to slip below the horizon, Susan knew she had to find shelter. Making her way out of the thick scrub and into a clearing, she spotted a river. Stumbling and slipping towards the water, her frustration mounted when it started to rain. Spotting a big tree in the distance opposite the creek, Susan decided to hop from rock to rock and cross the river. I was just thinking, okay, well, I'm going to have to cross over those rocks and try not to get wet. Um, so I ended up going um, across the stream and then I slipped and so I got drenched and the water was just so cold like I just froze and I just felt all numb so at that point I was like nah Susan you have definitely got to get out of here and you need to keep warm or you're going to die hypothermia that's what went through my mind straight away and I thought you know I don't want to die out here so um, I need to go get warm so I um, got out of the water 
crossed over to the other side and I saw this pink flag and I thought, oh, maybe this is, I still am on the right course. And then I crazily like thought, okay, well, I'll still try to find the course. Jogging up another hill, Susan was no closer to finding the trail. And with the sun setting, the temperature had plummeted. Clothes muddied and sodden, Susan shivered uncontrollably. And I couldn't see like a good trail, so I thought, okay, no, that's definitely not direction home. I went down it, and then I went to the left, and I went to the right. So I was still really confused at this point, still trying to find the trail. Um, And then by that point, I was just so exhausted, and I thought, no, it's getting dark. I need to just save my energy and try to rest up, and um, I'll continue when it gets brighter. It was about 5.30pm. Susan had been on her feet since 9am. She needed shelter and fast, so she decided to dig a hole in the bank of the river to slide her body into. I've used my nails and I remember just like scraping the mud out furiously, like so hard and my nails were breaking because I was just like so desperate to, you know, try and get warm and by digging that hole that will actually keep me warm just by moving. Burrowing into the muddy hole, Susan made a makeshift blanket out of moss, leaves and branches. She was still freezing cold, but at least she trapped some of her body heat. Still, Susan had a long night ahead of her. But then there was a sense of calmness as well. I mean, I had the stream flowing, crazy as it sounds, even though the situation wasn't the best. And I actually felt like I was at ease. I thought, wow, you know, what better spot to be in? You know, I've got the river there and I knew that in the morning, you know, when I get thirsty, I'll go get some water. Um, I looked up, there were the stars in front of me um, and I was actually under this um, big tree. And I guess when you're just so exhausted and all you want to do is just, you know, just like stop. Definitely a lot of praying was going along. And I'd even question God, you know, like, God, why is this happening? Um, the biggest one was just like, oh, God, please help me, keep me alive. Um, please, you know, give me the strength. Please tell my family that I'm safe. At the same time, awful thoughts kept creeping into Susan's mind. Oh, my gosh, my kids will never see me again. And my daughter's only nine months old and I'm still breastfeeding her. And Daniel would have to look after the kids and raise him up himself. That was just the fuel to the fire to to make me more determined to get home. And I was just like, no, Susan, you're not giving up now. Um, you know, you just got to fight. But Susan's energy was zapped. She had to try and get some sleep. I thought, yeah, I'm going to try to like just at least rest my eyes. I'll try to close them, but then my mind is fully awake the whole time. So like I'd hear like sound of helicopter and I'll try to scream for help. So I was always like just on the lookout thinking, oh, well, what if someone's looking for me? I should, you know, you know, try to get the attention. So it was very hard to like, you know, just fully shut off. It only occurred to me like once or so that I thought, wow, I'm in the middle of the bush and there could be some wild pigs. That kind of like went through my mind once, but I dismissed it really quickly and thought, nah, I'll be all right. Rescue choppers darted above looking for Susan, but deep in the valley, she was invisible. Her teeth chattered so violently that every time she did manage to doze off, she'd startle awake. Worse still, her breasts were sore and swollen. She was still breastfeeding baby Misha every few hours and they were rock hard from not being expressed for so long. Yeah, the chest was just like fully expanded and and hard and uncomfortable. But at the same time, with a blessing in disguise because um, I felt that's what kept me warm. Like if I wasn't breastfeeding, I don't think I'd be here today because bring up your body temperature, kind of like a hot water bottle. After what felt like an eternity, the sun rose to reveal a grey, rainy day. Susan hadn't eaten in 20 hours and she'd done all that exercise. When you're in survival mode and you're out in the bush and, you know, you're thinking about your children and your family, um, everything just gets 
kind of gets wiped away. So even though I was hungry and thirsty, at that point it, it just all kind of faded in the background. And, you know, I didn't even really think much about being hungry. So I was like, right, in order to get me back to base, I need to just get some sustenance. Susan was in desperate need of an energy boost. Filling up her hydration pack in the river, her breasts ached. She'd had mastitis, infected blocked milk ducts before when she'd waited too long to express, and that was the last thing she needed now. Little Misha was nowhere near, but she had to relieve the pressure on her poor chest. So I was just like, right, thinking on my toes, okay, I just have to um, squeeze it out and, and relieve the pressure. Then Susan had a genius idea. Right, I'm just going to like squeeze it out and, and drink it. <laughs> the question that everyone would like to know is how did I get the milk out and how did I drink it? Rummaging around in her pockets, Susan found an empty chocolate bar wrapper. Then she began to fold the packaging. I thought, excellent, I can use it as a cup. I squeezed the milk onto the wrapper, which was on my hand, and, um, and then just drank it. And the milk just came out so quickly because obviously I was just full of it. It was very warm and very sweet because um, I was just so freezing cold. So to get something warm into my mouth, it just felt like, yep, that was really good. It kind of just gave me that energy to be like, right, back into it, keep running. <laughs> The breast milk had warmed Susan from the inside out. Feeling re-energised, she started running around 9am, hoping to find the trail. I had to cross the river again, and then um, I had to pretty much sprint because it was just so cold. Um, the weather condition had turned a lot, so um, it was raining more harder, and um, it was pretty much sprint to the tree. If not, you're going to die of getting cold and... Um, yeah, and it was really tiring because it wasn't just flat, it was back up that cliff again. So I was trying to like grab onto trees again and, and getting really exhausted. I had to like grab onto the tree branches to keep my balance because it was a steep incline. Holding up beneath a tree, Susan had to sit and catch her breath. I kind of huddled up to, into a ball and just I was shaking and my knees were chattering, my teeth were chattering. And then I was like, all right. You know, like going from cold to exhausted to go, you know, just sprint again or you're not going to survive. <laughs> this is now or never kind of thing. After two and a half hours of trudging through the muddy landscape, at 11.30am, Susan heard the sound of a helicopter flying above her. But after a night alone in the bush, Susan doubted herself. Am I really hearing the helicopter? Is there people actually looking for me? Because when you're out there for that long, all these thoughts... It just plays in your mind, like you think, oh, I'm out here, um, everyone's looking for me. No, no one's looking for me, no one has come to you. You're out here on your own. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to like run and wave them down, let me know that I'm safe and that I'm not dead. Waving her arms frantically, Susan tried to get their attention. Thankfully, the pilot spotted her and the helicopter landed 100 metres away in a clearing. Bundled inside, she was flown to a cabin near the edge of the forest. After a full 24 hours lost in the bush, Susan was saved. When I looked out the window, I saw all these people and I was just like shocked to be like, what? What are all these people doing here? Like, who are they? Search teams had been scouring the area, returning at first light with a helicopter equipped with heat-detecting technology. Susan's friends, family, colleagues and fellow church members had joined the search. Now they were all waiting for her, along with a throng of media. So um, when the helicopter landed and I got out, I was kind of like a hobble out and I just felt so, like, kind of broken and 
uh, yeah, I was like bombarded with um, all these people, like some from the media, and then further down the track would probably, uh, probably about 50 metres was my mum and my dad and my husband and my daughter. Straight away, like my mum and dad were just came and, you know, put their arms around me and they kind of got in first before Daniel. <laughs> He's more the patient one. Little Jaden was fast asleep, but baby Misha was in Daniel's arms. Reaching for her daughter, Susan squeezed her tight, grateful to be back with her family. It had been a full day since she'd seen her, so Susan breastfed her daughter straight away. Speaking to the media afterwards, Susan told them she'd drunk her own breast milk to survive. Um, When I got hit with questions from the media, that just kind of blurted out of my mouth. I, I tend to say things and I just speak the honest, more truth, you know, and I don't think about it with the consequences. And then next minute it just went, you know, went viral. And I was like, oh, no. Four years on, Susan's babies aren't so little anymore. Misha's five and Jaden's six. They're still too young to understand what happened to their mum. But there's no doubt in Susan's mind, being a mother gave her the strength to survive, literally. I look back in hindsight and I think, well, if I didn't um, breastfeed then, um, I, I think, honestly, I don't think I'd be here today. The ordeal gave Susan a whole new perspective. Quitting her job as a chartered accountant, she decided to follow her dream and become a full-time personal trainer. Luckily, it didn't scare her off from running. She's still competing in events. It also made her realise what meant the most, her family. No matter what happens in life, like, you know, you know what's important. Don't sweat the small stuff. Um, you know, your family's always important. Um, your kids, you know, spend time with them. Life is short. You never know when it could be taken away. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss more incredible stories of survival. We'll bring you a new one next time. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really helps. And we'd love it if you could find our Facebook group, How I Survived, and we're on Twitter, at SurvivedPod. Next time on How I Survived. It's now piss pouring with rain and the curve in the road made me slip. I don't remember him saying anything at all, really. I just remember hearing screams. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm